Hello there. Welcome to Nyamshana's podcast. Today, I am telling my boarding school story. The dust from my father's cream car colored the air. I was excited about the ride. I was the only one they used to live at home. My siblings were already in boarding school. This time, I was with the rest of them. My mattress, checked red and black suitcase, a basin was in the boot of the car. The car indicated to its left, and we went uphill to Rushoroza Hill. Soon, we were at a gate, not a real gate. There was a stick that acted as the gate. Dressed in a dark green outfit, a man removed the stick and we entered. The car parked and my dad helped remove the bags from the back of the car. Why are they taking my bags out of the car? I thought I was still on a journey. Had I arrived? Are my parents going to stay here? My mom carried my mattress and my dad my suitcase. They took me to the dormitory. That dormitory, I later discovered, was for kids that urinate on their beds. I had stopped urinating on my bed when I was two. That is what my mom had told me. My mom laid my bed. The teachers gave me a number. J12. My bed was J12. My uniform was J12. My books had J12 written on them. It was kind of cool, especially that I had trouble spelling my long name. There were so many beds. One certainly belongs to my mom, I thought. After laying my bed, she gave me a long, fluffy hug. There were other parents coming in with little girls my age. My mom, their moms laying their beds. When she was done laying my bed, she held my one hand. My dad had been waiting outside all this time. We met my father outside, and he held my other hand. We walked briskly back to the car. They said they would come back to see me every weekend. I began to cry. They were supposed to stay. At least that is what I thought. They couldn't look at me in the eye. They knew what they had just done. The dust escorted the cream pigeot car, my parents in it. Me, standing all by myself. I saw the little girls and boys scream and run after their parents' cars. I walked back to the dorm alone, feeling abandoned. I went to my bed, lay on top, pretending to sleep. Hours later, a woman stood at the door. Children, it is time to bathe. We, the five-year-olds, had a woman that was supposed to bathe us. 
we lined up to be bathed, naked, waiting each for our turns. I stared at my new red Umoja slippers. I missed home. At home, getting me to shower was a battle. Now I was lining up naked for my turn to be showered. A thought crossed my five-year-old brain. To avoid this line, I must learn how to bathe myself. The only challenge was the basin was too heavy for me, carrying it from the tub to the bathroom. The results were always the same, an empty basin. Then I would smear myself the water, hoping against hope that the matron would not catch me. A bell rang. The woman came back, standing at the door, leaning her hand on her hip. Children, it is supper time. Supper? It can't be supper time. Our supper time at home was eight. It was just six o'clock. I woke up. I followed everyone to what would later be known to me as a dining hall. I lined up shipshilly. I observed and followed what everyone was doing. At the cafeteria, there were colored piles of plastic plates. I picked the blue one. A woman dropped two purple sweet potatoes on my plate and yelled, Next! A man tossed beans on my plate, splattering the soup on me. I could count the beans. At night, I stared in the sky. There were three stars. I used to see those stars at home. I knew that my mother too saw the stars at night and I would be comforted. Part two. The white dress. When you go to primary three, there was one thing to be excited about. The first Holy Communion. We had watched for the past two years as others wore the white dress. They wore white from head to toe. White dresses, white socks, white shoes, and for some, little white handbags. They looked like the little baby angels that were, that were painted on the walls of the enormous cathedral that we prayed in every Sunday at Rosa Hill. To prepare for Holy Communion, we had to have catechism classes to teach us prayers, sacraments, the Ten Commandments, the sacraments were particularly confusing, so I had to cram them. I understood the baptism one because I watched as they poured water on babies in the church. I loved the part where they poured the water on the little babies and they screamed. They were now declared children of God. We would then rise up on our feet. 
raise our hands and speak up repeating after the priest or bishop whoever was presiding over mass do you denounce the devil and the whole church would respond in unison yes we reject the devil the most confusing one for me was the matrimony to become one my father had three wives i was eager to wear the white dress so i had to pay attention to everything that the catechist was teaching me if you failed the test you would have to wait for an entire year before you could receive the body and blood of jesus it was embarrassing to be in P4 and you were receiving the Holy Communion. It was for us P3s. We learned the Hail Mary prayer. I always pictured my mom. Her name was Mary. So the only Hail Mary I could relate with was my mom. But then there was also that Mary in the church with her husband Joseph holding the baby Jesus. Also, at Christmas time, we always acted baby Jesus. I used to act the sheep. I had never been given to act the main parts of Joseph, Jesus, the wise men. They were reserved to, for those who talked too much in class. So we learned and crowned what they had taught us. The Pifos had told us that one of the must ask questions were, who did you come with today? We thought that we would mention the name of whomever we had come with. The Pifos told us that the correct answer is the Holy Spirit. The day for the test was coming close and it was on Wednesday before the big day that was Sunday. As we waited for the catechist, my friends were running in the grass. I lay on the ground, watching the sky. The sky fascinated me as the wind blew the clouds and the recently mowed grass onto my face. As I lay on the ground, my mind wandered to the kitchen at home. I wondered what they had eaten for lunch that day. The catechist draped in a white robe called out to us, awakening me from my daydream. We all stopped what we were doing and ran towards him. I had passed with flying colors. I had got all the Ten Commandments right. I had got all the seven sacraments correct. I could recite Hail Mary and our Father without hesitation. The catechist announced that those that had passed the test should prepare for the confession on Saturday, the day before the first Holy Communion. I had asked the test. The confession was not going to mess me up. I thought about my sins. My seven-year-old self scratched my brain.
I was at peace with everyone, so I thought, because I was an introvert. I disturbed no one, and no one disturbed me. The sins were hard to come by, but we had learned that we have an original sin, that our great, great, great grandmother Eve passed on us when she ate the fruit that was washed away at baptism. So my own sins, so now my own sins. I was anxious that I couldn't find a sin to tell the priest the following day. On Saturday, the day of the confession, we lined up waiting for our turn to get into the penance room. Next, the catechist called out. My heart beat fast. I could feel it in my mouth. There was a purple curtain. I entered it. I knelt on a cushion. I couldn't see anyone except little square openings that looked like tiny windows. Good afternoon, my daughter. Good afternoon, father. If the catechist hadn't told us that it is the Reverend Father, I would almost swear that I had heard the voice of God. Go ahead and confess your sins, my child. Father, I stammered, I have murdered. There was silence. You know, we humans are really big, big creatures. So somehow as we walk, we step on the little ants. There is no way I have not killed those insects further. Another silence. Your sins have been forgiven, my daughter. I held my breath, waiting for the results from my big confession. Go to the pews and say five Our Fathers and five Hail Marys. I stepped out of the confession room, holding my hands in front of my chest. I knelt in the pews and said the prayer that the priest had commanded me to say. I felt immaculately holy that evening. I avoided anything that would lead me to sin. I wanted to remain very holy until my mother came with my white dress. Part three, the boy Kajunguri. It was another day as we basked in the morning Kabale sun. My school was on a hill and it would really get cold. The teacher had told us that the morning sun is good vitamin D. We basked in vitamin D. The bell rang and it was assembly time. After the assembly, we walked to class 
as I held my friend Judith's hand. When we got to class, although it was in the middle of the term, there was a new boy. The boy was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen in the world. He had a small nose. His skin color was grayish. His hair was soft and curly. I would later discover that he was a Somali. I was startled. I walked to him, stared at him in the face as the boys and girls in class touched his hair. He smelled different. By the end of the day, the boy's nickname was Kajunguli, little white boy. I thought about Kajunguli all the time. I told my sisters that were in upper classes about Kajunguli. I told my decamate about Kajunguli. At supper time, we talked about Kajunguli in the dining hall. The following day was Wednesday, and mid-morning was the time for physical education. PE was the most exciting lesson. We looked forward to it the whole week. We did exercises like, exercises like apart together, apart together, or if you ask me to translate that song, I honestly don't know what it means. I cannot tell you. But I remember the joy that this song brought into my heart. As the teacher paired us for the game, I was hoping that he would pair me with Kajunguli. I wanted to smell him and touch his hair, but the teacher did not pair us. As the days went by, I stopped thinking about Kajunguli. There was always something to steal away my attention. I cannot even remember what Kajunguli's actual name was. Part four, the four-leaved clover. My first encounter with books was in primary two. You chose between going to the library or learning how to knit and sew. Books seemed like the easier option for me. The elementary school library was stocked with ladybird books. Our conversations would be influenced by these books. My favorite books were Cinderella, Jack and the Beanstalk, Puss in Boots, and Sleeping Beauty. There is a book that kids at school read. I can't recollect what that book was, but it told us about the four-leaved clover. On Saturdays, we spent time in the compound on the grass looking for a four-leaved clover. Normally, clovers have three leaves. So, the belief was that if you found the four-leaved clover, you would wish for anything in the world and you would get it. One Saturday afternoon, 
after searching for the clover for an entire afternoon in vain, we asked ourselves what would do what we would do with the clover if we found it. The first girl said that she would wish her mom came to visit her at school abruptly. Others wished for new clothes and shoes. I wished that I could be home. Another story that took the school by storm was that of the magic mirror. I never read the story of the magic mirror, but those who read it told us that if you placed seven red roses in front of a mirror at midnight, you would see your future. My future freaked me out. I was worried that if all this magic mirror was true, my greatest fear was seeing a coffin passing by the mirror. Thank goodness, the only mirrors we had at school were from hair pullers and finding red roses was like finding a dog's horn. Boarding school was fantasy land. These books, I think, were attempting to turn all of us into little white girls. There were no books of princesses that had kinky curly hair or heroes that looked black. Someone like Rapunzel had long hair that she would throw roll over the castle when the prince came to rescue her from the wicked witch. Story time, part five. The king has got ears. I had the stories in my mind, but when it was story time in class, my mind would shut down. Teacher Goodnight, one afternoon, insisted that everyone tells a story. I only knew one story. Thanks to my cousin Mujuni, the best storyteller I ever knew. Next, she yelled from the corner of the classroom. I stood up, cleared my throat, and muttered the first words, attracting giggles from the class. Once upon a time, in a land far, far away from here, on a day like any other day, the kids giggled. My heart pounded, but I kept going. A man received a message that he had been appointed to work in the king's palace. This was the job he had always dreamed of. He bade his wife a good morning. Off he went to work. The class was now quiet and all eyes were on me. Although it would take time before he met the king, 
he would feel the presence of the king. The servants walked with their hands crossed behind their back. He crossed his too. He had learned fast how to serve the king. He was taken through various briefings. The most important, the virtue of secrecy. Whatever happened at the king's palace was never to be heard outside the palace. After two weeks in the palace, it was time to meet the king. He had mastered the performance. That night, he didn't sleep. He was looking forward to bearing the king's cup and being in the king's presence. The large doors flung open to the presence of the king. Head held high, hands behind his back, he took steady strides into the king's palace. There he was, in the presence of the king. The king's chair was glamorous, covered in leopard skin. It was said the leopard skin on whose the feet the king's steps was brought to the palace and skinned alive. Step by step, he walked towards the king. No one smiled. No one blinked. He bowed to the king. His head stretched out. He looked at the king. He held his breath. The king had ears that he was sure looked like that of a goat. The king had goat's ears. He was struggling to keep his eyes from stealing a few more glances. He remembered that the greatest virtue to serve in this palace was your ability to keep secrets. The man was petrified. Week after week, he served the king. The secret was weighing down on him. He started to lose weight. He went to the governor of the house. He asked to be away for a week. That he was taking a trip was a reason for seeking leave. Luckily for him, the governor obliged. He told his wife that he was going on a long journey. His wife was worried that her husband was whittling away. The man walked day and night through jungle thickets under an ancient large tree. He dug a hole with his hands. Deep enough, he made sure that there were no parrots that heard him as he shouted loudly the secret into the hole in the heart of the forest. He knelt at the hole, hand touching the ground. The king has ears of a goat. The king has goat's ears. He cried out loudly. He wept like a man. 
in the priest's confession room, possessed with a ghost, a burden lifted off. He covered the hole and planted a tree. With renewed zeal, he was ready to serve his master. His countenance had changed, and he, begin, he began to look healthy again. He served the king with delight. Many more years later, children and women fetched firewood. The tree had grown into a fine flute tree. Children picked the sticks and they turned them into flutes. The sound that came out was, The king has got ears. The king has got ears. That is the end of my story. My classmates clapped. Teacher Goodnight was happy with me. You tell such amazing stories, Nyamshana, she said. My cousin Mujuni had taught me. Final part, part six. The first time I had drawn attention from a teacher, since the time I had told a story in class, was when teacher Brown called me out for my red and yellow socks. He said, Gumshana, why are you wearing those yellow socks? Like a sheep in a flock? I loved my cover. I learned how to disappear in a crowd. I followed all the rules. I woke up in time. I took care of myself. I didn't make noise in class. All my report cards read, She is a good and disciplined girl. My performance was average. The yellow socks my father had brought me during holidays had stripes of red and purple. I put them on all the time. They made me feel connected to my father. The teacher made fun of my socks in the presence of my friend Judith. <laughs> Judith could not shut up about my yellow socks. She laughed at me as we entered the dormitory. She laughed when we entered the bathroom to bathe. Every time she mimicked what the teacher had said, she laughed hysterically and I was devastated. I cried all night. My whole life was shattered. I hated the school. I wanted to leave. How could my yellow socks that had brought me so much pride, brought me so much sadness. I was alone. I went to class alone, did things alone. All this time, I was preparing the largest tantrum my parents had ever had when they came to pick me up at the end of the term. By the way, this event happened long before the, I had the Dolly Patton coat of many colors. True story. 
when I saw my dad from a distance at the end of the term, I started to cry. He asked me why I was crying, yet I had been promoted to P5. Dad, I don't have a friend in school, I said. Please don't bring me back to this horrible school. He did not say a word to me. There was silence the whole journey. As the trees rushed by, I prayed and prayed that I would not come back to boarding school. End of my boarding school story. Thank you so much for listening to Nyamishana's podcast. Until next time, bye-bye.